God, we, we do pray for those families, Lord, that were impacted forever by 9-11. We ask you to comfort them and bless them today, God. We ask you to protect our country. And I pray as a country, Jesus, as people, we will turn our lives back to you, our attention and heart back to you, God, that you can bring revival and awakening uh, in our lives and in our world. And God, I ask you to preach through me. God, use me to help the people that are here, that are watching and listening online to have an encounter with you. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. And we do welcome you who are here and those who are watching or listening online. Thank you for for joining us. We are starting a sermon series today. It's probably going to be about eight or nine weeks called Navigating Our Crazy World. And one of the premises, honestly, is that the world today is crazier even than it was in 2001. A lot more issues, seems like people are struggling more than we were struggling then. Listen to some of these statistics. 2006 to 2019, 13-year period, teenage depression among young ladies, teenage girls, grew by 50%. Now, this is pre-COVID. Pre-COVID grew 50%. Among our young men, it grew almost 75% depression among our teenage Young ladies and young men grew 50% and 75%. I read in August of this year, one out of four Americans are struggling with a mental illness. Now, count the people on your pew. And if there's four of you, you can figure out which one who's struggling. But let's say there's nine of you. That means two and a half of you are struggling right now. And I'm, I'm being humorous, not trying to at all make fun of any kind of issues. But just saying we are struggling. One out of four is a lot. That, that is a lot. That is heavy. We're going to talk this morning about depression. Next week, we're going to talk about anxiety. Next week after that, we're going to talk about suicide. But if you have your Bible, turn to, to Jeremiah chapter 20. If you have a table of contents, it's a quick way to find Jeremiah. It is near Isaiah. It, the scriptures will be on the screen in just a moment. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to take notes. We're going to try to look at a lot of things this morning in a brief period about, about this subject. But as you're you're turning to the scripture, I want to begin with this. Depression can hit anybody. It can hit anybody. Now, I am a man and I know how my tribe is. Men think depression only hits women and weak men. And nothing can be farther from the truth. I really believe the only people who don't struggle with depression are are pure narcissists. People who are so egotistical, so arrogant that nothing faces them at all. And believing that none of you are that, you, you are a potential victim of depression. Our, our hero this morning, our main character, if, if you're in chapter 20, in verse 7 through 10, listen to this. Oh, Lord, you deceived me, and I was deceived. Doesn't that sound like an atheist? You overpowered me and prevailed. No, this is a prophet of God. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. I just I preach and all I get back is I get insult. But if I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, I don't want to do this, but God makes me do it. In verse 10, I hear many whisperings, terror on every side. Report him, let's report him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip. Perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge. Look in verse 14. This is our memory verse for this month. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. I'm joking. That's not the memory verse. Can you imagine that being the memory verse? Wouldn't that be terrible? Okay, who is this guy? 
Because I think this can shatter some preconceived notions. This is a man's man. This is a brave man who's taken a strong stance against society. This is a godly man. This is a prophet. This is a guy I've been preaching for 20 years. This is someone who loved God. This is not some weak, sissy person who wasn't close to God, didn't know God. This is a strong, brave, godly man. If you know a little bit about the Bible, you know the name's Moses. You know the name David, King David. You know the name Elijah, great prophet. The the name Jonah, the, the guy who had fish troubles. And John the Baptist, what do those guys have in common? Well, they were preachers, they were godly men, and all of them struggled with depression. Martin Luther was one of the, the, the great men of God in the 1500s. It's really, he kind of helped change the face of Christianity. And, and it's still his impact is felt today. Struggled deeply with depression. Charles Spurgeon was considered by many as one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. And he would get so depressed at times, he would have to take two months off just to be by himself to recuperate, to get his act back together again. Abraham Lincoln is considered one of the great presidents of all time, suffered terribly from depression. Winston Churchill was the great English leader that helped probably save England from being overran by Nazi Germany. Struggled deeply with depression. So I tell you those stories to say, Again, I think the only one that's immune to a depression is a liar and someone who is so egotistical that nothing could get to him at all. And that's not a good quality, by the way. So anyone, it can hit you. You may say this morning, man, my world is great. I'm not depressed at all. It may be totally different in a month. But you know people who may need to hear the things that we're going to talk about. So pay attention, if not for your sake, for someone else's sake. Let's look at number two, some causes of depression. What causes depression? Well, we're going to have a 29-minute sermon today. So I can't hit on everything. I'm going to hit on things on the, the Bible says here. Genetics play a part. Sometimes people just have a predisposition towards it. Uh, the brain chemistry, traumatic events. There's some things that are outside of our control that can happen to us that can affect that. But I want to give you four things from the story this morning that certainly can impact your mental health and my mental health. Number one is bad events. Just bad things happening. I guess this is funny. I've talked to several of our young people around here in the last few weeks about school starting. And I remember talking to one young man and I said, uh, how's school going? It's terrible. Terrible. Three days in, it's terrible. It's, I, thought, I didn't say this. I thought, good luck. A kindergartner, this wasn't at our church, but a kindergartner came home after the first day. Mama says, how was kindergarten? It's terrible. Absolutely horrible. Well, why, why was it so bad? They want me to read. I can't read. They want me to write. I can't write. I love to talk and they won't let me talk. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. Well, Jeremiah was experiencing some of this terror. In chapter 19, verse 14 and 15, read this with me. It says, Jeremiah returned from the Topeth where the Lord, God sent him here. God sent him to prophesy, to preach. He stood in the court of the Lord's temple and he said to all the people, this is what God Almighty has said. This is from God. Listen, I'm gonna come to this city. I'm gonna bring it down and the villages around it to disaster. I pronounced against them because they were stiff-necked and would not listen. That's a tough message, but you need to heed it. Listen how they heeded it in chapter 21 and 2. But the priest pastor, son of Emmer, the chief officer in the temple. This is a really big, important religious person. Very big shot religiously. 
heard Jeremiah preaching these things and he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten, put in stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Wow. Jeremiah had been preaching about 20 years. His country, Judah, is, on, is, is fallen. He's had a hard time, but, but now things escalate quickly. He gets beaten. Says they put him in stocks. We have a picture of stocks. You've seen these before. You put your head in that middle thing, your arms in the other. Some of the stocks you actually sit down and you put your ankles in. The part, of, part of the thing is it's very uncomfortable. He was in this position for a day. And they did it at the temple. The temple is the hub of religious and social activity in this day. That would be like Josh shows up late for work three days this next week. So we beat him on Saturday and he's in stocks out here as you're walking in on Sunday morning. You got to admit, young people, that would be funny, wouldn't it? Addie, would that be funny? Josh's daughter is like really nothing like a supportive youth group. That'll play into something I'm going to say in just a minute, Josh. But it's almost like this is the first time that we have any record there had been physical violence against him. It's almost like this is a breaking point. This event is this poof. I can't take it anymore. Now, I pray to God you don't get beaten up and put in stocks. But you know, all it takes is a phone call. Somebody died that you love. You go to the doctor and you don't get the report you want. You really are having a hard time in school. You're a teacher or administrator and it's a tough year already. You're struggling at work as an employee. You're struggling at work as a boss. Things aren't working out. You have some bad event at your sports team. See, bad events can trigger and push us from even a healthy state into depression. I don't think Jeremiah was healthy at this point, but it can certainly bring it about. Let me give you a second thing, and that's overwhelm. That's overwhelm. And maybe society today needs to hear this more than any other thing. Just pushes us over the edge. In verse 2 again, he had Jeremiah beaten and put in stocks at the upper gate. Now, this is 20 years in the making. 20 years he's preached. 20 years, very little results. 20 years verbally abused. 20 years made fun of. 20 years mocked. 20 years not getting supported very much. It's like it's just starting to wear out on him. Dr. Daniel Iman is a, is a psychiatrist. And he's a very profound writer and, and thinker. And he talks about the stress hormone cortisol. Cortisol is really good today if you're leaving and going to your car and a grizzly bear starts chasing you, right? It gives you enough strength to outrun your wife to the car, right? It gives somebody like me the ability to jump on top of the truck, right? And be on top of the truck and pray that the grizzly has like a sprained ankle or something and can't jump. But the problem is, is you and I were not built to have our cortisol going 24-7, And when we do, something inside of us eventually is going to snap. It's going to break. I think with Jeremiah, it was not just that bad event. That's the thing that that pushed him over the edge. But I think it was that years and years of drip, 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 drip. Since COVID hit, I read this in March, anxiety and depression worldwide, they they did surveys in over 100 countries, has gone up 25%. You go, that's not much. That's a whole lot. Anxiety and depression up 25%. You know why? Because 
we were told at the very first of COVID in March 2020, we just got to flatten the curve. And we didn't know what that meant, but we were agreed with it, right? And that we'll, everything's going to be back to normal in four weeks. And then four months later, it still wasn't fully back to normal. And we were told, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. We were told to get shots and everything would be good. We were told to get shots and we'd never have to worry about it. And then our president's got 18 shots and got COVID twice last month. It's confusing. We got, we got shut down socially. We got shut down in our business and it's drip, 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 drip. It just overwhelms us. And listen, here's something in Ruston, Louisiana and in America may be another thing. Listen, Good overwhelm is still overwhelm. A lot of us are getting up on Monday morning and we're going, going, going. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then Saturday, we got to go all weekend. We got activities on Saturday, all day Saturday and all day Sunday. Then we wake up on Monday. We got to do it all over again. Some of you guys, some of you ladies, you got you to work seven days a week. No, you just have to. I used to be like that too until God broke me. That overwhelm. You were not made to go seven days a week. You're made to go six, but you were not made to go seven. You need to take that day. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. You need to take that one day a week to be in church, to overeat, to oversleep, and to have fun. Amen? Because when you don't, you're going to break eventually. Overwhelm is certainly a cause of depression, no doubt about it. Here's the third thing, irrational and negative thinking. Being irrational and negative in your thoughts. Verse 7, God, you deceived me. I admire his honesty of thought, but he's wrong what he's thinking. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm ridiculed all day long. No, he wasn't. Everyone mocks me. No, they didn't. I've read the book of Jeremiah many times. Not everyone was mocking him. Verse 10, I hear many whispering terror on every side. Report him. Let's report him. All my friends, that's not true are waiting for me to slip, saying perhaps he will be deceived, then we're going to rough him up. We will overtake him. Jeremiah is a man, a man of God, and he's letting his thoughts get out of control. I'm going to tell you in a moment, it's okay to let God know what you're thinking. But I'm going to give you a sweet little thought here. God's never deceived you. God's never failed you. It feels like it, but he hasn't. I don't doubt that there may be people trying to undermine you. If you're trying to do anything worthwhile, there's somebody trying to undermine you. But everybody doesn't hate you. Write this thought down. Your thoughts control your feelings. Your thoughts control you. It's so simple. But if you're irrational and you're negative, you are, you are you're pushing yourself to be depressed. Pushing yourself to be depressed. Irrationality, being irrational, negative, leads to depression. And here's the fourth thing, when you feel betrayed. Man, when you feel betrayed. I'm going to give you two little thoughts on this. Sometimes we feel like God betrays us. I'm not going to go back through this again, but Jeremiah did. Jeremiah was like, God, you let me down. God, you deceived me. God, you roughed me up. God, I've been serving you. And things are going horrible. You ever feel that way? See, here may be your story. It's certainly been mine in the past. You start coming to church and you're going to start trying to live better and trying to do better. Maybe you even gave your life to Christ. Maybe as a Christian, you're coming back and you're going to try to start doing right, reading your Bible and praying. You're even giving. You're even tithing. And all of a sudden, everything starts going upside down. Your business isn't doing well. Things aren't well at school. Things aren't well in sports. And you're like, God, I'm, I'm trying to serve you. And look, look how you've repaid me. 
Sometimes we feel like God's betrayed us. And when we do, man, that is very depressing and sad. Sometimes we just feel like other people have betrayed us. And the truth is, there were people who had betrayed Jeremiah, but not everybody. There's people that have betrayed you. Maybe it was a bad breakup. Maybe it was a bad divorce. Maybe it's a situation at work or at school or in athletics where you were rejected or you were mistreated or you were stuck in the back. People who ought to be lifting you up and patting you on the back have been sticking you in the back. And man, that hurts. It hurts to be rejected by other people. And the better and more loving person you are, the more it hurts. But man, if you're not careful, that feeling of rejection that knife in the back won't only hurt your back, it'll ruin your spirit. These aren't all the causes of depression for sure, but man, these are some clear ones we see in the Bible today. So let's look at a third thing, some results of depression. What happens when we get depressed? And again, there'd be a lot of things that, that we could talk about, but I'm gonna try to stick primarily to just what the, the text says here. But a couple of things, it, it affects how you eat and you sleep. I have a, a really good friend who when he gets depressed, he doesn't eat anything and he sleeps all day. I get depressed, I'm up at four in the morning, four in the morning slamming down a gallon of bluebell. I would rather be the guy who slept all the time and never ate than the guy who eats all the time and never sleeps, wouldn't you? But I guess they're both a curse. Psychologists tell us that that depression is comorbid with some other things. Next week, we're talking about anxiety. I call it uh, depression's ugly half-sister. Anytime you hear the word morbid, that's not good, is it? How was your meal today at lunch? Morbid. How was your blind date? Morbid. (laughs) How was the sermon? morbid that's never never good and when they say it's comorbid with depression in particular and anxiety is that this is scary is that a lot of times when depression starts coming on you if you don't deal with it right then you get anxiety at least from my experience anxiety is really not a fun thing to have to deal with but let me give you some things too that the text says happen when we get depressed number one it can move us away from God it can move us away from God in verse 9, but if I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, his word is like a fire in my heart. He couldn't do it, but, he, but, but Jeremiah was saying, you know what? I am fed up. I am beaten down. I'm depressed. I don't want to preach anymore. I don't want to serve God anymore. I'm, I want to walk away from it. And that happens when we get depressed. It's funny, and in, in in not in a good way, when you get depressed, you reject all the things that can help you. And what can help you more than anything else is God. By walking away from church and the Bible and prayer, all that's going to do is make your spiral go down, not up. But mark my word, if you're not careful when you get depressed and you get down, if you don't pay attention to what you're doing, you're going to move away from God. You're going to move away from God. Here's the second thing. You become more irrational and negative. Being irrational and negative leads to depression but man it spirals in verse 14 through 18 cursed be the day I was born may the day my mother bore me not be blessed never sing happy birthday to this dude cursed be the man who brought my father my mother my father the news that a son had been born listen in this day and age when you had a son that was a big deal 
This poor guy who thought he was bringing good news, 30 years later, Jeremiah, 40 years later, Jeremiah saying, curse that guy. Wow. May he be like the town Sodom and Gomorrah the Lord overthrew. Poor fella. Why did he kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever? Why did I even come out of the womb to see all the troubles and the pain I have experienced? My goodness gracious. Jeremiah just kept going down and down and down and down. Watch this in yourself. When you start struggling with depression, if you're, notice your thoughts. Are they getting wilder and crazier and more negative? It happens. Here's the third thing. We isolate ourselves. We may isolate ourselves. I think you really need to listen to this. I hope you listen to everything. Again, this goes back to that. What we need the most, we reject the most when we get depressed. There are people you need to be around. There are people who are going to help you be closer to God. They're going to help you be happier. They're going to bless you. And when you get depressed, you shut those people off. How silly. You hang out with losers or people who bring you down. Jeremiah was not a social butterfly at this point, And that wasn't helping him. And I want to encourage you. Man, I want to encourage you. Don't isolate yourself when you start getting down. You need to be out with people who love you and in good environments more than ever. Cindy and I have some friends in Texas, hopefully a lot of them, but one friend I'm thinking about in particular. I wasn't seeing the husband come to church much. And when you're in a little church and there's 100 people there, you know who's coming, good or bad. You do. And I finally asked her, I said, where's he been? I tried to reach him. I couldn't get him. And she said, well, he's depressed. I said, well, how, how do you know? She wasn't a doctor or a preacher or a psychologist. You don't have to be to know depression. But I, I said, how do you know? She goes, he goes in a shell. He just isolates. He isolates. That happens when we get depressed. And here's the last thing here. Despondency and losing hope. You know, when I, when I preach on suicide in two weeks, I think, I think that's the ultimate cause of suicide is that despondency just no hope Jeremiah was despondent I mean when you're saying I wish I'd never been born in fact curse the guy who went out and told my dad that he had a son you're despondent that's a dangerous spot to be in when you lose hope like that I mentioned Winston Churchill earlier and one time when he was in a, a depressive mode He said, I really feel like the dragon of depression is going to slay me. I feel like there's no hope, but I'm going to lose to it. Wow. Despondency. Red lights, guys. Red lights in your life and those people that you love. But let's look at some solutions. I know we've had a sermon on depression that's been depressing so far. So I want to give you some hope and some positive things with this. Number one, and again, I can't touch on a lot of things, so I'm going to give you a thought or two and then really hit what the text shows us here. Number one, take care of yourself. Listen, a lot of times when you're depressed, you need to do the opposite of what you feel. You need to try to eat right. You need to try to sleep. I know you go, why? If you're like me, why can't sleep? I, I don't like someone telling me you need to sleep more. Why can't? Go, here's the next thing. Go see a doctor. Get on medicine. Go see a counselor. Now, I have heard preachers say this. And if you know a preacher who say this, I'm not making fun of them. I'm disagreeing strongly with them. You don't need medicine. Just trust God and pray when you're depressed and when you're anxious. 
I want to clarify this and say, I believe in prayer and trust in God so much. I won't say I believe in it more than you because I don't know how much you believe in it. I know I believe in it a whole, 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 whole bunch. Here's the problem with what the preacher said. That same preacher may be taking medicine for cholesterol, blood sugar, insomnia, and love issues. Who knows? And he is going to tell you not to take it for anxiety or depression. I call that a hypocrite, don't you? <laughs> hey, shoulder surgery. When I hurt my shoulder, I promise you, I begged God, heal it, heal it, heal it, heal it. Please, I'll do whatever. Please, let's fix it, heal it, God. And it wasn't getting healed. And so finally, I went to a qualified surgeon. Josh wanted to do it in his office. I wouldn't let him. He said he talked to Will. Will told him how to do it. I go to a surgeon and he does surgery. Did I still pray and trust God? More than ever. God, please don't let him sneeze when he's cutting on something. I pray, God, please take care of the pain because everybody was so negative. Oh, this is going to kill you. It's going to be terrible. Worst thing ever happened. Rotator cuff surgery. I was going to just cut my head off. Let's be done with it. I was depressed. I was depressed. They said, can we give you a three-day pain block? I said, you can give me a three-month pain block. You can give me a body pain block. I don't care. Give me good, and they asked, they asked me. You want the strong meds or the weaker meds? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Do you have to ask that? <laughs> give me the strongest stuff what do you ever you give elephants for pain that's what I want and I'm on it right now no I'm not if I was I'd I'd be spinning if I was on it <laughs> but you know what when I got out I prayed and I trust God and I was really nice to my wife and daughter because they were taking care of me one shot to the shoulder and you're down for the count so but I took my medicine right that doesn't mean I don't trust God. James chapter 1 says, every good and perfect gift comes from God. A good surgeon and good medicine comes from God. Amen? Amen. So take care of yourself. Listen, you young people and you older people, all of you need to hear this. They are telling us technology and social media is umping, ramping up our depression and anxiety. I don't think you should get off social media. I just think you ought to cut it way back. I certainly don't. I am a big fan of technology, but if you were on social media and technology 14 hours a day, it's messing you up. And by the way, all your friends are not as perfect as they look. Have you ever noticed that? You see somebody on Tuesday and they got four chins, and then on Instagram or Snapchat two days later, they only have two. That's called fake pictures. <laughs> the whitest teeth I've ever seen are on social media, aren't they? It's like, what? I look like ivory on a t tusk or something. It's unbelievable. It's called fake. That doesn't help you. Limit yourself. Hey, again, get out amongst people. Listen, people who are depressed that'll get around positive people have a double, they double their chances of improvement. So get out among people. Here's the second thing. Get your thinking right. Get your thinking right. Change your thoughts, you change your life. Change your thoughts, you change your life. Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true and positive and lovely and admirable and excellent, think about these things. That doesn't mean you don't deal with the negative issues, that you don't have to think about them and resolve them. It just means you need to live in the positive. And here's the, th the third thing. Man, get a hold of Jesus and don't let go. Wherever you are on the depression train right now, 
or wherever you will be, don't quit. Grab Jesus' hand and, and don't let go. If you're not a Christian, give your life to him this morning. If you are a Christian, come back to him. Listen, a Christian who gets away from God, I guarantee you, you're walking down a depressing road. Come back to him. These studies are a few years old, maybe seven or eight years old. But here's what they found out with teenagers. Teenagers who were sexually active, who were drinking and using drugs, were two to three times more likely to be depressed than their peers who were not. I guarantee you that's not just teenagers. You get to adults who are sexually immoral, who are abusing alcohol, are, are abusing legal drugs, or taking illegal drugs, I guarantee you your depression rate's going to be much higher. You were built to live for God. And when you don't live that way, things aren't going to go well. Hang on to God. And let me give you two thoughts on this too. Man, continually pour your heart out to Jesus. Pour your heart out to Jesus. In Jeremiah 20, you see, and maybe in the Bible, the most honest reflection of a person's heart to God. This doesn't mean be disrespectful. It means be real with God. We talk behind God's back, don't we? We're mad at God, we just won't say it. Like he doesn't know. We feel like God's let us down, but we don't want to express that. So I'm not saying be dishonest, but man, pour your heart out to God. You are not going to make God dizzy and he's going to fall off the throne. Right? Man, I can't believe they're, they're telling me that. God doesn't want you just to vent. God wants you to vent with the idea that we're going to get past it and bring healing. But you got to start with honesty. And here's the last big thought. Man, praise God and thank God continually. Praise him and thank him continually. I want you to just look in verse 13, if you would. Sing to the Lord and give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. After this chapter, Jeremiah preached 20 more years. And we have no record that he ever hit any kind of low like he experienced here. Maybe he figured some of these things out. Folks, if you don't believe me, you could Google this afternoon and find a ton of information that tells you being thankful will change your life. Thanking God, thanking other people, writing down daily what you're thankful for, making sure before you go to bed when you get up, thanking God for several things. It will change your life. It will change your life. But when it says to praise God here, it means to shine the light on him. It means to celebrate him. Listen, when you, when you shine the light and celebrate God, it, it, other people are attracted to God. But when you shine the light and celebrate God, you know what? That light boomerangs back on your heart and your mind. One of the best things you can do for you is to praise God and thank God when you get up in the morning in your prayer time and throughout the day as much as you can. As much as you can. Praise him and thank him for all he's done for you. You know, a preacher is supposed to tell you Jesus is what you need. I mean, really, if, if they're not telling you that, get a new preacher. But I, I saw this. It was uh, as an article about a Harvard Medical School professor. Harvard is not a small fundamentalist Christian college in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Just the opposite. But Dr. Armad Nicola, a clinical professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, wrote a book, The Question of God. Listen to what this Harvard professor, psychiatry professor said. In counseling students for years, he realized a big cause of depression and recovery or lack of it was their worldview. Duh. 
And the students who were atheists and agnostic, hey, there is no God, this life is meaningless, What's, what is it in store for us? A lot of them never got over the hump of depression and they, sh- they, they seemed to go back and forth. They just didn't have hope. But this Harvard professor studied students at Harvard who converted to Christianity who were depressed. He said it was absolutely amazing what happened. He said they still struggle with depression. They still had bouts that they had to deal with. But they did so much better when they found Jesus. They had hope. They found forgiveness. They found peace. They found purpose in this life. They found purpose and meaning for the life to come. The Harvard professor said, one of the greatest things that can happen to you when you're depressed and to fight depression is to give your life to Jesus. Amen. So here's what I want to challenge you in a moment. Give your life to Jesus today. When we stand, you can come this morning and we'll help you right down here come to Christ. We'll talk to you after church. If you're watching at home or you're, you're here in a moment, I'll lead you in a prayer. And you can sincerely pray and give your life to Christ. Do that today. Maybe you'd like to join our church this morning. We would love for you to. You can do that online or after church or when we stand in a moment. You can come and join our church. You need a church family. Join us today. Maybe as a Christian today, you're doing great. That's wonderful. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you need to come back to God or you'd like to come to the altar and pray or get on your knees at home and pray or pray with a minister. Look, hey, God wants to help. He's just not going to force it on you. Receive him today. Receive his help today. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting on you. Christian, maybe it is coming back to God. Come back to Him today, man. He's waiting on you. He loves you. His arms are wide open. Come back to Him. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, but you're ready today to give Him your life, pray with me. Pray with me sincerely and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I want to repent of my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's Son and that you died for me and arose for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I surrender to you. I raise 
Hallelujah. 